I had told myself this lie that if the first job you get out of college isn't in the major that you had, then you failed. Welcome to the Hustle Differently podcast. I'm Adriana. In each episode, I chat with a millennial professional about defining moments in their careers that have shaped their faith and understanding of their identity. You just heard a clip from my conversation with Xavier Moss about the lie he told himself. Have you ever told yourself a similar lie? That you're a failure if you didn't accomplish a specific goal or didn't perform the way you expected? I can totally relate. You know, telling myself a lie that tethered my worth, identity, or capabilities to my success or lack thereof. On today's episode, I chat a bit about this with Xavier Moss, who is a biological illustrator. You're probably wondering, what is that? <laughs> As Xavier describes it, a biological illustrator is someone who approaches flora and fauna, animal and plants, from a faith-based perspective. Xavier is an artist on a mission to use art to start conversations about theology, faith, the Bible, and God. In this episode, we chat about how it feels when your first job doesn't align with your college degree, the challenges of carving out a niche path for your passion, and we hear more about Xavier's experience getting scammed after creating his art business, Moss Art. Xavier and I went to college together, and you will hear him mention UF, the University of Florida in Gainesville, Florida in the United States. Let's jump into the conversation. So I, I definitely want to hear like where this passion for the arts really stems from. I mean, I've been illustrating just as long as I can remember. As a kid, I would always manage to find creative ways to injure myself in sports. So my parents were like, yeah, that's no dice. We're not doing this anymore. So then I found that drawing was the one thing that I really couldn't severely injure myself while doing. And I kind of had a natural proclivity towards it. So I would just always be drawing. My um, dad was a master sergeant in the Air Force, and he had these like boxes of just these reams of paper that they weren't going to use anymore. So he'd bring those home, and I would just be like, I mean, trees probably on public enemy number one. But I would just draw, draw like Star Wars, like or animals, like all those types of things. And then in high school, we did those career aptitude tests. And one of the results that came back for me was medical illustrator. And I'd never heard of that before. So I looked into it. And then there was a broader category called biological illustration, which is artwork that's done for research institutions, museums, textbooks, describing like new species, typically. And I was like, oh, I like science. I like art. That, that sounds like it could could work. And then I started to look about, all right, where college-wise has this undergrad? Because it's already kind of like a weird niche combination of uh, liberal arts and sciences and art. So I started looking, and the only place in Florida that had it was UF. And so I was like, Lord, you want me to study this? Get me into the Gated Nation. And he did. And I was like, amen. <laughs> After college, the next logical step is a master's in medical illustration. And the more I was kind of thinking about that, I just 
wasn't really feeling it. A lot of people were saying, oh, you could be like the next netter when they heard that I had that background in biological illustration was like thinking about medical illustration. And then, of course, it was hard to find undergrad in biological illustration. Nowhere in Florida has a master's in medical illustration, to my knowledge. I'm pretty sure they still don't. And um, across the U.S., it's I think there are about four or five places that have it as a master's program. And all of those places are <laughs> expensive. So, you know, my mom has this old adage of, you know, if you're not sure if you're going to wear it when you try it on in the store, don't buy it. That was my approach with, um, you know, secondary education. I was like, that is a lot of money that I, I'm, I'm not trying to go into debt. I'm not knocking people who do because they they have that clear cut, like I this is the path I want to go on. So power to those folks. But I just knew that wasn't a track for me. So then kind of left me in this weird space of, okay, what is the next step? So I came back to Orlando and started, you know, looking for work in any sort of, you know, design arts related sector. And besides Disney, there's not or universal, like the attractions, there's not a ton. And even within those spheres, it wasn't necessarily the kind of art that I wanted to do. It was a lot of like prop artistry and those kinds of things. And I was like, mm, that's, not, that's not quite it. And so it took me a minute and a half before I applied to any jobs that were not related to art, just because I had told myself this lie that if the first job you get out of college isn't in the major that you had, then you failed. Nobody ever told me that. That was just something that kind of came up through my own like vaulted expectations for myself and like negative comparison with, you know, peers of like, oh, they're, you know, actually got a job in there. That's where that kind of stemmed from. And so it took my family though was like, Zay, none of our first you realize none of our first jobs were in like what we studied. Like it took us a minute and I was like, oh, you're true, true. I ended up uh, starting to work as a substitute teacher for Seminole County Public Schools. And then my last full-time position was an elementary art teacher. You know, you talked about how you had told yourself this lie that if you didn't get a job in your college major that you had failed. And I do, I want to talk a little bit about that because I think that in our career journeys, especially like starting out, I think we have a lot of expectations. And if we don't always meet those expectations in the ways that sometimes we see other people doing or the ways that we envisioned it when we were like 16 (laughs) and didn't fully understand how the world operates, you know, after college as a full adult. And I want to talk about like, how was that journey for you? What was that like? You know, maybe what did you learn during that time? figuring things out. Yeah. So it, it was super rough. Not going to lie. Like there was at one point I I vividly remember just like getting really frustrated and like crying about it. And I was like, men do cry. It's like, yes, men do. We have lacrimal ducks. So we cry obviously. But I, I got really frustrated because the one or two tangentially related art prospects I looked at, like they didn't pan out. And I was like, why would God give me a desire to pursue like visual art and then 
almost like leave me hanging. I was like, I, and at the same time, I'm like, I know God isn't leaving me hanging. Like, I know that's not true. It just seems like optic wise from where I'm at right now, it, it still feels like, I don't know what that next step is. And that whole lie about if the first job that you get out of college isn't in your major, then you failed. Like, honestly, that's like Satan talk. <laughs> like, because then it, it you just become so fixated that you're not where you should be, that you just stay where you are. And that's like a dark space of just like shame and lots of lots of weirdness happens there. And so in that space, I, I really am, you know, blessed to have family members who are Jamaican and very <laughs> opinionated who like spoken. They're like, Zave, like stop repeating this like vitriolic rhetoric to yourself. That is not true. Like we're going to call out the lie that you're telling yourself. It is not true that you are a failure because your first job doesn't seem like it's going to be in biological illustration. Like that's, you're, you're, you're fine. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, as a millennial, I I tend to spiral very quickly. (laughs) So they had to like rein me in and Hey, you're okay. And then they started you know, we doing an in inventory of like what passions and skills I had were. So it was it wasn't really a resume session, but it kind of like turned into one. And so we were looking at, you know, what are posts that you've held that you know you could find something related to in, in the working world? And my mom, who's been a teacher for almost 40 years, said, Have you considered the realm of education? And I was like, oh, not particularly but you know maybe elementary or like our education could be something it's always awesome when we have people in our lives who will be honest and transparent and you know i love the practicality of sort of like the process right of like doing an inventory and like thinking about you know what are some of the things that you've done in your past experience that may not be totally tied to your passion or art, right, per se, but there's still skill sets that you have that can apply to other things, right? Because I think in life, you know, we have responsibilities and stuff. And sometimes I think where we are in, in our lives or in that moment, we may not be able to fully, I don't fully live in our passions, but we may need to rely on the skills that we have in order to meet our needs at in the moment while we start to like fit, carve out a path for our passions. Kind of just going back to, you know, the, the whole process of coming to, it was almost like a, a morning process, I want to say, because I had to go like go through the stages of like, my dream isn't dead. It's just not happening as fast as I had envisioned it. But then you have to, you know, bring in Proverbs, what is it, um, 69, where it's like, in his heart, a man, you know, plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. So that's been a verse that like always like creeps back at like watershed moments in my walk. And he's like, are you know, you know, have the faith to let me like establish your steps. Like I know, I know what your like deepest desire is to do art, but Zave, you, you might need to learn how to like communicate a bit more effectively. And what better way to learn how to communicate than being held hostage by Generation Z in a classroom setting. And I'm like, oh, okay. So <laughs> God has a sense of humor. That's all I'll say. Right, he, <laughs> he sure does. <laughs> 
So you were teaching and then you were carving out this path of figuring out how to merge your talent, your passion for visual arts, illustration with, with also ministry. And just knowing you and you know watching the work that you've been doing on Instagram and all your social medias, I remember you did like those daily devotionals. And so I want to talk a little bit more about like that passion that you have. Yeah, let's start there. Let's talk about that passion and what that really means of kind of like merging ministry with visual arts. I want to figure out the space where visual arts can be used in a place of worship, a place of ministry. And not only that, but I know if I'm having these thoughts, there are probably other visual art, like savvy Adventists who are like, yeah, like I want to use my gifts, but I'm not finding a place in the church to do that. So I guess I'll just go into the world and, you know, find a place to do that. And it's fine. Like if you're, if your job is like a graphic designer or something, that that's awesome. But how much more enriching would worship be if people who are passionate about whether it be spoken word or painting or all these things could bring that to the altar and like it could be a part of service. So that's kind of where the space of merging my background in um, biological illustration with like visual arts ministry came about, hence kind of the the coining of Bible logical illustration. It's like its own genre that, to my knowledge, I hadn't seen anybody use it before. So I don't know, it's there, but... Better trademark it. I gotta gotta (laughs) go write it now. But yeah, I I just really like explore. And I've always had a passion for science, like I mentioned a while back, and specifically like natural history. I just love, you know, David Attenborough and all his documentaries. And I'm like, yes, tell me about these strange animals and things in the world. And I um, decided to, you know, go back through scripture and kind of do an inventory of all occurrences of, you know, animals and plants. So all the flora and fauna in scripture and illustrate them from atypical points of view. So sometimes I'm illustrating a famous biblical event, but from the perspective of the animal that's involved in that event. Or sometimes it's from the perspective of the plant that's, you know, being used to make incense for the sacrificial thing. So that, was, that wasn't the correct terminology, but whatever. But yeah, that's kind of the, the space that I'm currently investigating in um, my main body of work. You've had a couple of defining moments that I've heard so far based off our conversation, right? But then I know that, you know, from our early conversations, like the p- pandemic was also a defining moment for you because it was a moment where you decided to start your art studio, Xmos Art. Yep. And I would love to hear a little bit more about that moment and what kind of initiated, like, you know, now's the time to start an art studio and what was that journey like? The 2019 to 2020 school year. So I was also doing murals during this time for the first time. I had offhandedly decided to apply to, um, they were seeking designs in our city for a mural. And I'd never painted a mural in my life. But I was like, <laughs> my dad, of course, being the good Jamaican father, he was like, yeah, yeah, as an artist, boy, 
why, why don't I apply for this? And I was like, oh, okay, fine, Dad. So um, <laughs> I applied, and then they picked it. And I was like, oh, shoot, now I need to figure out how to do a mural. I did one from the end of October to December of 2019. And then the second one was December, like later December to February of 2020. So I had done two murals, like pretty much back to back. So I was like spent, had a quick little vacay in Puerto Rico plug. When I came back, I had a form in my box. And basically you have to, in February, in this county, you have statement of intent forms. And you have to say, I would like to return next school year in the same position. I would like to return next school year at the same school, but in a different position. I would like to return, but not at the school or I'm outie. Those are your like four options. And you have to choose one to let the admin know so that they can start thinking about staffing. And so after I'd finished the second mural and while I was in Puerto Rico, I'd been kind of like praying over this, like, God, this is like, it's draining. Like this, this current position I have. And I know you, you gave me this desire, but I don't know if you want me to just stay in this for a bit longer because I'm not feeling it, but I'll, I'll stay if you want me to stay. And then there was also a little bit of like angst, like, God, why aren't you opening the doors to art in my life? Like, why? Eh. And then God clapped back mad hard and was like, I'm ready and rearing to go to like use your talents, but you've been caught up in this safety net of having a salary. That is what's tripping you up. And I was like, ah. And it wasn't a salary to like brag about by any means, but it was, you know, that stability. And I I feel like it's very easy to get caught in worldly stability versus godly, you know, just go, like, go with me. Do you think Abraham had, or Abram at that point had stability when I said, get out of your father's country and your, everything that you know, we're we're going. And so, I mean, granted, he was, he was kind of loaded. He had herds and stuff. That's a different thing. Same principle applies. So I was like, okay, God. So I'm going to take that as you are calling me to like step away from this, you know, regular paycheck. And he's like, did I stutter? And I'm like, no. So I came back, I filled out the statement of intent. I said, I'm I'm not going to be returning. And then after that, that's when the pandemic (laughs) struck. So we basically went on spring break and then never came back. So my job reverted to, since we didn't have any kids, they were like finding weird jobs for us to do. So I became like a clerical assistant, basically. And I was was fine doing that until the end of the school year. And then in July, I really started thinking about, I've always had in the back of my mind, the idea of like having my own business and like being an artist, like selling my stuff. And I can't do much now, can't go out and like do art fairs or anything like that. So what is stopping me? I have all of this like ample time at home. What is stopping me from like going on, you know, legal Zoom or whatever, and just like getting the paperwork started to actually set up a business. So it was, I think July 9th, 2020, it was like when I was officially incorporated as an LLC. And then promptly after that, like in August, I was scammed hardcore out of $2,000. And I was like, 
what just happened that that was like a that was another who that was a hard mile marker that was a marker i did not want to happen and it was like right out the gate from like launching my business and i i remember like asking like why would god let something like this happen like i i've been a believer my whole life but i i asked that question like why why would and when you're when you're caught off guard like it's, it's like raw Job, like just asking God questions. And you're like, I don't get it. I'm trying to be faithful and launch a, a visual arts ministry for you. And this happens. But case in point, the real story is like when you decide you're going to like dedicate more of your assets for the spreading of the gospel, Satan's going to come after you harder. So that's like really what was happening. And actually, that's a whole nother story. But it actually turned into a miracle because... I, I kind of blogged about it. My sister and her family were here when it happened. And my brother-in-law was like, you know what? If anything, maybe just like blog about it so that other artists don't, you know, fall prey to this particular scam. And so I, I did and kind of just like was like really raw with like sharing where I was at emotionally. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to get resolved because basically the the police were like, yeah, we probably can't trace it. I'm like, and then the bank was like, yeah, you you signed the check. So and I'm like, and so it was like I, I had exhausted every possibility in and of my human power to you know reclaim what was lost and so i'm like all right god like i still have this business i guess but it's gonna everything that i make for the you know next couple months is gonna be to get out of this hole and i blogged about it shared it and then through just weird hashtag algorithms this one gentleman saw about it and he has this foundation that's the Joshua 1-9 foundation in memory of his um, son. And so he saw my story, he read the whole thing and he's like, is it okay if I, you know, call just to, and first of all, like he, he reached out through Instagram, which is where the scam had come from. So I was like mad sketch. I was like, mm. so I had to do some like background, like, okay, this, this, this looks legit. So we, we got into contact and he just wanted to have a conversation where he was just like speaking life. Like, don't let this be like the end of like your business. Like, I, I just really want to felt impressed to like, you know, kind of speak life. And I was like, oof, thank you. Thank you so much. And this is like a stranger. I, I don't know him from Adam. And then at the end, he, he said, I'm, I'm just curious, like how badly, like, did they scam you? And so I'm like, this much and he's like ooh, and i'm like mm -hmm. and so he said well i want to i want to you know touch base with my wife but i want to you know see how, if we can help you and i'm like i mean this conversation has you know been blessing enough but i'm also not going to reject any assistance so <laughs> i was like okay and so we, we exchanged information and then a couple days later i get a notification from venmo because we i had given that so he's like, whenever we decide, I, I can just send it straight. And I was like, okay. So I get a notification on Venmo and he had sent, like, I, I thought, oh, maybe he'll send like a hundred or something, like whatever. He had sent 1700. Wow. Which, which got, was enough to like, get me out of the hole and just a little bit some. And then, you know how on Venmo you can like put what it was for, like with emojis and he, and he like wrote. And oh, this is so he was like to restore what was lost. Wow. And then ah, oh, I've never. And it was like in in the middle of 
people weren't sure what was happening economically, like with the lockdown then. So I was just like, people don't give that kind of money, especially right now. In the middle of a pandemic. And yeah. so like, I remember I like, threw my phone across the room. I was just like, no, 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 no that, that has to be wrong. He, he must have accidentally. Like, uh, and then we, we called and he, he just told me about how when he had finally, you know, asked his wife, she was like, you know, I was doing my study this morning and I think it's in Proverbs 3, but there's a verse that basically says, if it's in your power to do good, do good. And she's like, that that verse was sticking out to me and I didn't know why. And so when she told him that, he was like, well, now we know why. This is what we got to do. And I was like, ah. So that was another just, oh, huge moment of God saying, I'm not forsaking you. Yeah, Satan just came over you after you hardcore, but like you're you're on the right track. Like the fact that this didn't take you, I mean, it took me out for a minute. Like there were there were two days, not gonna lie, where like we're dark. <laughs> just like I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't mm, it was it was rough. And then, you know, that experience happened. And I was like, okay, God, like you just moved in a way that I cannot deny because I had it's when I had exhausted every human effort on my end, that's when I was like, it's yours. If you want this to thrive, you're going to find the way for it to thrive. So balls in your court. And he's like, I made the ball. I know the ball's in my court. I was just waiting for you to let me. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's um, ever since then, I've just, I've just now been getting back into managing everything and gearing up for the holidays and mural making. Like I, I spent six hours, like we were saying earlier, mixing paint today for a mural. So yeah, business is, I'm continuing to, you know, entreat God every day to be like, Hey, I want this business to like, it's, it's yours. Like your business is my business. <laughs> so like lead me to those like appointments that, you know, even if it's like more like secular art, like if somebody commissions like a star Wars piece or something, uh, let the fact that I'm like putting a lot of care into that illustration, you know, speak of, you know, maybe lead to a conversation about, oh, oh wow, this is like really good. How did you like do this? And I was like, oh, well, I spent time, you know, that might be me making a Star Wars, a really cool nifty Darth Vader piece for somebody. It might be the closest conversation I have with them about Jesus. But if they can walk away and be like, wow, he spent a lot of time on that. I wonder what drives him to spend that much time on his craft. I'm I'm happy with that takeaway, even if, and that's the other cool thing about art. It's not like knock them over the head theology, which can be a lot like, you know, down somebody's throat. Art has a way of like being very nuanced and everybody can interpret it in their own way with wherever they're at in their spiritual journey. So I think that's another quality of art that's underestimated, but we really shouldn't be underestimating. Yeah, that's such a good point. Wow, honestly, that's such an incredible story. Like, I think to be in a space where like you launch something that you're like passionate about and you're also doing, you also have like intent to like glorify God and then to have like a, like a setback Mm -hmm. and like a setback that put you like in your bank account, it's like difficult, you know? But I think, wow, to like have that person be so willing to like help somebody that they don't know and to like feel so connected to like your story. It's so great. And I, and I think 
you know, to your point that you were saying earlier, it reminded me that like, you know, season two of the podcast is about champion. And I've been asking all the guests to share what does it mean for Jesus to be their champion. I'm going to read your answer if you don't mind. Yeah. You said, for Jesus to be my champion, it means I have to intentionally stop trying to be the champion. I have to acknowledge that only his strength would carry me on in my professional and personal life and ultimately allow me to run the race Christ calls us to run, not the race we are born into. And I would love to hear a little bit more about like why you chose that response. What does that mean to you? It's always funny like hearing your thoughts from like a while back and you're like, oh, I said that. Okay. It sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I still do stand um, strongly by, especially the first part of that. I think just the through line really in the past year has just been this idea of not leaning on like myself and my abilities and like what I can bring to the table. Because I think naturally we all want to, we all want to earn like a spot. Like I have, you know, done like the, Case in point, Tower of Babel was like kind of weird, like, let us make a name for ourselves and build this giant structure in the sky. And I think there's this innate human desire, you know, since, you know, sin entered the world of like, I have to prove myself worthy. And God is like, you don't need to prove anything. You were, you were created worthy. We've just been divorced by the sickness of sin. And it's like making you think you have to prove yourself, whether it be to me or just to your peers. And I think we expend so much energy trying to prove ourselves in a a crazy frenzied rat race that the energy that could be given if we just lean on Christ, it's, it's like it's not there. Because we're not leaning on Christ, we're leaning on ourselves. And it's a vicious cycle of like, you are going to burn out if you are your own savior. Because from my experience, I cannot be my own savior. And that's not something you're supposed to say in a culture that's like, work hard, play hard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're supposed to be the the superhero. And you do have the ability to be superheroes, but that's only when you're allowing Christ to shine through you and Christ to fuel your endeavors and not be the fuel yourself because it's, it's kind of like we are fossil fuels and we will deplete ourselves eventually. And then God is over here. Like I found a crazy renewable source of energy that also doesn't have any pollution. And I'm going like really green with this analogy. I don't know why, but he is like the, the Holy spirit, like can renew our drives. Like when our human selves are like, I cannot, go any further that's when he's like that's why i'm saying lean into me bring me your burdens that you know you're heavy laden with i'm gonna be the one who gives you rest granted that rest may come in forms that you're not expecting (laughs) and it might not seem like rest but in terms of like your spiritual needs being met it's definitely going to be a lot more tranquil than what it would be if it was just you trying to be the champion yourself. I would say, you know, my last question to you is I would just love to hear more about what do you want? You kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but, you know, what do you want people to receive and get out of 
your work. You know, you have your studio now, you have this very niche and unique title of biological illustrator. And you, in your journey, have had this experience that has built you up. But now you're sort of like in the beginning of like your art studio and and really coming into this path. So, you know, what do you want your audience to get out of your art and your illustrations? I would want there to be a collaborative discussion from people from different walks of life. So one of the reasons I specifically chose to key into biological illustration with faith was that at UF, I encountered a lot of, you know, research-based people who were deep in, it's like, I need this illustration of this bug and this, this wing and da, da, da. And, but they might not know or have had any exposure to like a faith-based worldview. And so the interesting thing with these pieces is that I, I still, they're stylized, but they're fairly biologically accurate so that if a person from a non-faith-based background like comes and views it, they'll be like, oh, that's, that's a really well-rendered lion or well-rendered lamb. But then they might ask the question, but I don't understand why this lion has like a beehive in it. Like, I don't get what's happening there. Enter, you know, somebody else who's viewing the piece who is coming from that faith-based background. And they can be like, I think this is about the, you know, the story of Samson when he fought the lion. And then the other person's like, oh, I'm not familiar with that. And then it becomes kind of a, a two-way conversation where, you know, this person is bringing, like, maybe they happen to be an expert on lions. They can be like, oh, clearly the musculature is, you know, the tone of the you know, they can share their um, experience and their, their passion for the natural history aspect. And then this other individual can kind of maybe even just, you know, point them of like, oh, I think this is the context it's in scripturally. And who's to say if, you know, the person from the non-faith-based view walks away and whether they go home and like Google the story of Samson or not. But like they had a, a cool little like momentary encounter where both people from different walks in life had to collaborate to wholly interpret what this piece was about. And I think there's a big division between like science and faith. Like there, and again, there's like this polarization of like, they have nothing to do with each other. But if anything, I feel like science is further proving, you know, God and just in the myriad of intricacies and, you know, design. And that's a whole nother podcast, but that's that's one thing specifically with my work that I, I hope people are able to just engage in civil and um, life building conversations where everybody can walk away having taken away a unique point of view. And then I think at large, one of my larger goals is just to see more grand visual arts movement within um, Christian churches and being able to see artists empowered to use their talents in the church. There's a lot of like soul searching that needs to happen in regards to, you know, letting different creative talents serve in the church because we serve an infinitely creative God. So we shouldn't be limiting the creativity of his people in the church. That just doesn't make sense. Granted, I'm not saying like everything goes like there, there got to be some, you know, ground level conversations about like, for our congregation, will this benefit or like what's going to happen here? But those conversations still need to be had about, hey, who, who's to say you don't have a 10-year-old 
at church who everybody's like, we don't, we don't know what to do with Jimmy, but Jimmy Loki loves to doodle, but he's not seeing a way up front where he can use doodling for Christ. How powerful would it be for him to see like somebody up front, like being like, you can, if you like art, you can draw up here and, you know, make Christ more known. Like that's the whole point of our life, right? To fulfill the great commission of it's like, I like to draw. I like Jesus. I like to help Jesus with, you know, what he's trying to do. Why not do it all? Um, so I think just to, at a grander level, just inspire kind of almost like a, a renaissance of sorts with the, the visual arts ministry in Adventism, but I think Christianity at large. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can access the show notes in the description and the transcripts on hustledifferently.com. To make sure you don't miss the next episode, click the subscribe button. Also, I need your help growing this podcast. The two simplest ways you can help are sharing this episode with someone you think would resonate with topics about career and faith and leaving a review in the Apple Podcast app. If you do one or both, it would really help me expand my vision for the podcast and help new listeners find the podcast. Thank you for your support.